For the past 17 years, Obamacare has wreaked havoc on the lives of innocent, hardworking Americans. 17 years? Wow, that's worse than I thought. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in the from Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, in Oregon on 91.7 FM KYAQ on the Central Coast, 106.7 FM Queso in Cottage Grove, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania on 92.9 FM WLRI, in Maui, Hawaii on 88.5 FM KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN 94.1 FM. In Palinville, New York on 102.9 FM WLPP. In Grand Rapids, Michigan on WPRR. In Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM 950 KTNF. We're also heard streaming coast to coast and around the globe every day of the week. On the internets, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Revolution 99, Deprogrammed Radio, Detour Talk, and Radio Sputnik. Blanketing planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, coming up, uh, Donald Trump. You've heard of him. He has been uh, talking quite a, quite a lot lately about his power to pardon as if it is absolute. But is it absolutely? Will, uh, will, uh, can he, in fact, pardon himself, um, as some have suggested, if there's anything to pardon himself for? And, by the way, even if he pardons his, his close aides, uh, some of whom happen to be his family members, is he opening himself up to more potential legal danger than he may realize? We will speak with a legal expert about all of that shortly, what we know and don't, and what those who worked on impeachment cases from Richard Nixon to Bill Clinton concluded about similar questions. That is straight ahead. Uh, in the meantime, you heard uh, Donald Trump talking about how uh, terrible Obamacare has, how it has uh, wreaked havoc for the past 17 years here in the United States. Oh, my goodness. That's much longer than I remember. Yes, even <laughs> though it's only been in place since 2010. And funny, he was uh, reading from a teleprompter when he was making those remarks in the White House today yeah. in advance of... Uh, what is promised to be a Senate vote on something, nobody really knows yet what, uh, a Senate vote on something regarding health care, either repeal and replace or repeal. Nobody knows. It's a great mystery. This is the way we run policy in this country. And little wonder, given the way, uh, given this president in the White House, here's a, a few comments of his today. Uh, in the blue room at the White House where he had what he uh, described as victims victims of Obamacare uh, surrounded with him. Here's a few. Here's here's uh, some of his comments today. For the past 17 years, Obamacare has wreaked havoc on the lives of innocent, hardworking Americans. Every pledge that Washington Democrats made 
to pass that bill turned out to be a lie. It was a big, fat, ugly lie. <laughs> the Senate is very close to the votes it needs to pass a replacement. The problem is we have zero help from the Democrats. They're obstructionists. That's all they are. That's all they're good at is obstruction, making things not work. They say all the right things, and then they do exactly what they're not supposed to be doing. The Democrats aren't giving us one vote, so we need virtually every single vote from the Republicans. Not easy to do. The Senate bill protects coverage for pre-existing conditions. And you don't hear this from the Democrats. They like to tell you just the opposite, and they didn't even know the bill. They run out, they say, death, death, death. Well, Obamacare is death. That's the one that's death. And besides that, it's failing, so you won't have it anyway. Tomorrow, the Senate will vote on whether to allow this urgently needed bill to come to the Senate floor for debate. The question for every senator, Democrat or Republican, is whether they will side with Obamacare's architects, which have been so destructive to our country, or with its forgotten victims. Any senator who votes against starting debate is telling America that you are fine with the Obamacare nightmare, which is what it is. For Democrats, this vote is a chance to make up for the terrible harm they have inflicted on Americans. Obamacare has broken our health care system. It's broken. <laughs> it's collapsing. It's gone. And now it is up to us to get great health care for the American people. Oh, brother. That was the president of the United States in the Blue Room at the White House today uh, talking about the big, fat, ugly lie. Very presidential. <laughs> yeah, but him. I don't I don't think he actually understands anything that's actually in whatever the mystery bill is he, that actually comes. No, up. he doesn't, which is why he went out of his way to say uh, that Democrats don't even know what's in the bill so that he can make it sound like them. That make it blame. sound like yeah. he knows what is in the bill when uh, clearly he doesn't. Last week he was comparing it to life insurance. Uh, that, by the way, is Desi Doyen. Hello, Desi. Hello. I didn't get to say hello, our producer. Uh, so, yeah, big, uh, fat, ugly lie. Uh, he uh, whined there that every vote from Republicans will be needed. And that's not easy. Well, it wasn't easy when Democrats got every single vote they could from Democrats because Republicans would not give them a single vote in the passage of the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare, despite the fact that all kinds of Republican amendments were allowed and added to that bill. Uh, anyway, there he is talking about the Obamacare nightmare. And, you know, there's plenty of problems with Obamacare, plenty that needs to be fixed. But when you go out and you call it a nightmare and you pretend there are victims and you lie to the American people about this, uh, you know, I don't think that's going to work. <laughs> the nightmare that got rid of insurance companies excluding people for pre-existing conditions. Yeah, nightmare. Yeah, that's what a terrible. A, the horrible. nightmare that got 22 million people insurance coverage. Or I think it was actually maybe uh, more. Uh, yeah, than I was going to say at least 22 million. The current bills that they're talking about voting on, and again, they don't know which bill they are even going to be voting on. If it is a repeal and delay, so that it's. Uh, repeals the bill uh, two years down the road, and hey, we'll come up with something to replace it later. Uh, that would, according to the Congressional Budget Office, cost 32 million Americans to lose their health care, 17 million next year alone in an election year. Or if it's the repeal and replace bill, the best one they've been able to come up with, 
only costs 22 million Americans their health coverage. So um, that is going to be ahead this week, but it may be even harder than the Senate thinks, than Senate Republicans think. A, um, according to the parliamentarian in the Senate on Friday, you know, they have been moving this thing forward based on the idea that they could do it with just 50 votes. Uh, if they can get 50 Republican votes, then Mike Pence, the vice president, he can come in and break the tie and it will pass. But they can only do that. They can only avoid the Senate filibuster under what is known as the Byrd rule, which basically uh, allows them to get certain things passed that have to do only with the budget. They're supposed to be sort of minimal things. Um, well, the Senate parliamentarian has now taken a look at this uh, Republican plan to repeal and replace, and she says, no, there's a whole bunch of provisions in that that are not allowed under Senate rules. The Senate, in fact, would likely need 60 votes to overcome Democratic opposition. 60 votes. They only have 52 sen GOP senators, and one of them, uh, John McCain, is uh, out sick. The Senate would need 50, 60 to overcome Democratic opposition on a number of key portions in the GOP health care bill under the chamber's rules. That is, if they decide to follow those rules. And this would be a blow to the plan's policy and its political fortunes, according to Vox.com, unless Senate Republicans are willing to break decades of precedent. Would you put that past them? The Senate's so-called Bird Rule is designed to make sure that policies passed under the budget reconciliation pro uh, provisions, which allow legislation to advance with just a bare majority, 51 votes instead of the usual 60, to get past a filibuster, uh, directly affects the federal budget. Only, only if it's you know some uh, policies that directly affect the federal budget, either by decreasing spending or increasing revenue. All of this other stuff that they've added into this bill cannot be passed under the reconciliation, according to the Senate parliamentarian. The findings uh, of that Senate parliamentarian uh, who evaluated whether policies, including in the bill meant to pass through reconciliation, comply with the rules, were posted online late, fr uh, late Friday. Her analysis and uh, was sent out by Democratic uh, members uh, Bernie Sanders' office. Now, Senate Republican aides noted, oh, that was just a, a draft version of the bill. The legislation could still be changed. But as Vox notes, the findings are a critical blow to Republicans' hopes of repealing and replacing Obamacare if, in fact, the provisions in question are removed from the bill, as would be required by the Senate parliamentarian if, in fact, Republicans decide to follow the Senate parliamentarian. You know, it's just a rule. It's not a law. Um, and so, uh, you know, we'll find out if that uh, if those provisions get removed or not. If they do get removed, you could see a lot of um, especially the, the folks on the right, a lot of the hardline uh, Republicans in the Senate pulling out because, for one thing, uh, Obamacare's individual mandate requiring everyone to buy health insurance or to have health insurance. That's one of the things that the parliamentarian said. Uh, cannot be passed under reconciliation, that that would need 60 votes instead of 50 votes. So the individual mandate, and I think we heard uh, Trump speaking about it there, that that's been removed, uh, that that will have been removed from the Republican, uh, fr from Obamacare if the Republican bill passes. Nope, not so much if it is... Um, 
If they follow the uh, the parliamentarian. Yeah, if they follow the parliamentarian, if. considering the fact that that uh, senator, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell has shown no interest in following any of the other rules and, in fact, making up new rules out of whole cloth, like the reason why he prevented Merrick Garland from ascending to the Supreme Court seat that he was supposed to have ascended to. Well, I will only add... gotten a vote on. I, I will add this in, uh, in, in McConnell's defense here. Um, when it comes to the filibuster, he has not wanted to get rid of the filibuster for legislation. But, in fact, if they did so here, that would effectively be just... Nuking the filibuster. Um, this would be the essentially the nuclear option if they say that no, we want to keep these things in here and pass them with fifty votes. That is doing away with the legislative filibuster, which uh, many of the most right wing members of the Senate have pushed for Republicans to do exactly that. Donald Trump has pushed for Republicans to do exactly that. But you know, McConnell and some of the other leadership have balked, realizing that you know what, Republicans are not necessarily going to be in the. Um, in the majority for their entire life. Nonetheless, uh, McConnell is moving this thing forward. He is sticking to his plan right now to hold a vote on Tuesday to open debate on this health care bill. Now, uh, if he can get the 50 votes needed to do that, <clears throat> or I guess the 51, then they can proceed with debate. There will be a lot of amendments, and the question is, which bill will they actually be voting on? Nobody actually knows for sure, which is amazing. So they're going to actually vote to open debate on a bill that they don't even know what the bill is, that they're going to be opening debate on. Um, it's, it's amazing. Right now, they don't have enough votes for any of this, at least as far as we know. And that begs the question even further as to why he would hold a vote at all that he knows he will lose suggesting that he may know something, McConnell may know something that we don't, or he doesn't and he's merely acceding to Donald Trump's demands here to hold a vote so that he can then harangue those uh, who are voting against repealing and replacing or just repealing. Either way, I think it'd be insane to presume that this thing is over by any measure, at least if you value some uh, 20 to 30 million Americans who could lose their access to health care if the GOP is able to get one of these bills passed. So um, a lot of uh, senators still coming out against it. John McCain is still out uh, sick, having been uh, with his uh, diagnosed with brain cancer. So he is not back in the Senate this week yet, as far as we know. Uh, Rand Paul, however, has said that he would vote in uh, for the motion to proceed, as we uh, reported on Friday, if they allow his version of repeal the entire thing. Uh, Senator uh, Collins, Susan Collins of Maine, Lisa Murkowski of Alaska and Shelley Moore Capito of West Virginia have all said they would be against uh, voting to just repeal the bill. But, you know, as we've been telling you, Mitch McConnell has some $20 million to play with in this bill. He's been working hard to buy at least two of those ladies off with huge dollar amounts to their state if he can do so. Um, so all of this remains, uh, remains up in the air, and we will continue to follow it this week. Uh, as we figure out what the hell Republicans actually have in mind, what it is they're going to be trying to pull off. In the meantime, 
And by the way, whether they'll have to go to, I don't know what we're at, plan D, E, F, whatever we are at, uh, to actually, you know, work with Democrats in the U.S. Senate. Democrats who admit there are problems that need to be fixed, that need to be corrected in Obamacare. And if there was just a few of those folks uh, joining in, they could pass a bill that actually fixed the bill, that actually fixed the problem rather than tore the whole thing down, which is what Republicans seem dead set on doing since that's what they've been running on for the past, oh, 17 years. <laughs> To hear the uh, to hear the president uh, say it, but meanwhile, uh, yeah, Democrats, remember them? You've you've heard of them, uh, de- yeah, Dems, Democrats. Around. We, they're around. We apparently. don't talk about them much, but in fact, Democrat uh, Democratic leaders now say um, that uh, they they lost to Donald Trump last year partly because voters don't know what the party stands for, according to AP. So they're now trying to rebrand themselves with a new slogan and a populist new agenda as they look ahead to 2018. The new slogan is called A Better Deal, A Better Deal, and House and Senate Democrat uh, Democratic leaders are rolling this out today. Um, So there's an idea. Yeah, voters don't know what they stand for. How many times did we talk about that last year? How many before the election saying, hey, tell people what you stand for. Tell people why they should vote for you. Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer of New York, House Minority Leader Nancy Pelosi of California and other top uh, House and Senate Democrats are making this presentation after months of internal debate and analysis of polling and focus groups. Democrats think of themselves as the party of working people, according to the AP. So they were surprised when Donald Trump was able to steal away working class voters from them. And they have apparently subsequently figured out that voters don't know what the party stands for. And the new effort is aimed at changing that. Their full uh, title of the agenda is A Better Deal, Better Jobs, Better Wages, Better Future. After that, uh, after that slogan leaked out, Twitter users were already mocking them uh, and the similarity to the slogan for Papa John's Pizza, which is better ingredients, better pizza. Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, so uh, th- three of the overreaching goals will be raising wages for Americans, lowering costs for families, giving working Americans better skills for the 21st century, lowering prescription drug prices. Uh, which is, you know, fighting for uh, negotiating with the with the uh, with, with the uh, pharmaceutical companies that would allow, you know, Medicare, the largest single customer for these pharmaceutical companies, allow Medicare to negotiate directly for the best drug prices. Right now, that is illegal, as I understand it, under the law. Because during the Bush administration, that was established. They're also interested in cracking down on corporate uh, monopolies, they say. Well, there you go. Antitrust action. Good. That'd be a nice change of pace. Go for it, Democrats. Please. Pretty please. Stop all these huge mergers that are never good for the consumer. And they promise to create millions of more jobs and expanding apprenticeships and providing tax credits to employers to train and hire new workers. Chuck Schumer was uh, on one of the Sunday shows of this ABC This Week, uh, previewing that economic agenda that they uh, plan to roll out this week. He admits we were too cautious, we were too namby-pamby. 
According to those are his words. He says this is a sharp, bold uh, agenda and will appear to uh, will appeal to both the old Obama coalition and the Democratic voters who deserted us for Trump. He said, "We'll see if that's the case." But uh, Stephanopoulos, ABC's George Stephanopoulos, uh, pressed Schumer on whether that would include support for a single payer health care system, in which the government, rather than private insurance companies, pay for care. Here's what Schumer had to say. Then we're going to look at broader things. Single payer is one of them. So that is on uh, the table? Medicare. Well, sure, many things are on the table. Medicare for people above 55 is on the table. A buy-in to Medicare is on the table. Buy-in to Medicaid is on the table. On the broader issues, we will start examining them once we stabilize the system. So when he's talking about stabilizing the system, he's talking about correcting the the various problems with Obamacare. But he says, yeah, single payer is on the table. Medicare for all. Well, he calls it uh, Medicare buy in, uh, which is essentially allows uh, it's a public option. It's the public option that so many have wanted for so long. And the Democrats really did not fight for that public option back in the Obamacare days. When they were fighting to get that passed, that would have taken, uh, you know, given a public option to buy insurance, which would take the profit motive that is added on top anywhere from 15 to 30 percent added to the cost of health care. So these private health insurance companies can write a check. That's all they do. That's all they do is write a check and tell you what you can't uh, what you are not covered for. So uh, fine, let them stay, let them continue to do that. But let's put forward a public option, which would be the Medicare buy-in. The idea of uh, Medicare uh, expanding that to everyone who's 55 and older. Good. Another option as well. So I don't know if if Schumer is... Uh, we'll see. It, it remains to be seen how much uh, Democrats actually fight for this. But the fact that they're saying, yes, yeah, single payer is on the table, that I would say is good news. And that I would say is a credit to the uh, rank and file, uh, to all the voters out there who continue to press for these things, even when they are told by Democrats that things are not politically viable. I don't give a damn what's politically viable. I give a damn about what the people want and what they need. So keep standing up. Keep raising hell. All right. um, Before we get to our guest here, uh, one more point I want to get to very quickly. The uh, the (laughs) Donald Trump called out Attorney General Jeff Sessions once again today on Twitter, his own attorney general. Uh, This was just uh, less than a week after he aired his grievances with the attorney general in an interview with The New York Times. This was you'll recall last week, Trump blasted Jeff Sessions for recusing himself from the Team Trump Russia investigation, which Sessions did so belatedly after he was revealed to have been less than forthcoming about his own meeting meetings, I should say, with foreign officials during the campaign last year. So no matter what you think of the Russia investigation, recusing oneself from overseeing it when one is potentially a part of it, that is the right thing to do. And that's exactly what Donald Trump has been blasting Jeff Sessions for. He's been furious about it. Even Trump's very, very close pal, Rudy Giuliani, today former district attorney for the state of New York, said that Sessions was right to recuse himself. So, uh, hey, boy, with friends like that, eh, Mr. Trump? Uh, uh, Today on Twitter, uh, Trump called Sessions beleaguered, 
he asked on Twitter why Sessions and other investigators hadn't looked into the, quote, crimes of Hillary Clinton and her relations to Russian officials. Of course, if those crimes are the ones that the DOJ spent months looking into last year, then yes, those crimes have been looked into. As to uh, relations to Russian officials, it's not entirely clear what he was talking about. But either way, Sessions has recused himself from all investigations having to do with last year's campaign, whether it's Hillary Clinton or uh, or Donald Trump. So, uh, boy, oh boy, what a spectacle you have here when you have the president of the United States haranguing his own attorney general and one of the one of his biggest campaign supporters, by the way. He was the first top official to endorse Donald Trump. And it's even more embarrassing when you consider that Jeff Sessions is uh, own self-respect apparently is so low that he hasn't stepped down in the bargain. <laughs> and. uh so, you know, thus another reminder of uh, tying one's uh, fate to Donald Trump and the cost that comes with it. Um, of course, all of these people, uh, uh, Jared Kushner, his son-in-law today, met with the Intelligence Committee behind closed doors, not under oath. Uh, he gave a statement. We don't have time for that right now. But uh, all, all of these people, uh, Kushner, Paul Manafort, Mike Flynn, they could all of them simply be pardoned. And then this whole thing just goes away. Right. Pardoned by the president. Right. Well, not right. It's it's not quite as simple as that. We will take a quick break here and come back with Ian Milheiser on the power and limitations thereof on the presidential pardon. Can he really pardon himself? That and much more is next on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't go away. Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the broadcast. But we need your help to do it. If you enjoy the show and or get something from it, please give back a bit, if you can, by visiting us at bradblog.com donate. Your support helps Desi and me continue to bring you real, independent, progressive news five days a week over your public airwaves. We simply can't do it without your help, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com donate today to make a one-time donation, or even better, automated monthly support. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you can rest easy knowing that we'll be here every day making sense of it all, or at least trying to. That's bradblog.com donate, and thanks. I beg your pardon. I never promised you a rose garden. Yes. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com. A lot of talk about pardons of late for some odd reason. Presidential pardons. Donald Trump uh, tweeted over the weekend, quote, While all agree the U.S. president has the complete power to pardon, why think of that when only crime so far is leaks against us? And then in all caps, so you know it's true, fake news. Well, despite all the uh, uh, all of Trump's own talk of pardons of late, the head of his own uh, outside legal team, Jay Sekulow, said over the weekend the president doesn't talk about pardons. 
because he doesn't need to pardon anybody. Well, he does seem to be talking about pardons, despite what Seculo says. His new communications director, uh, Anthony the Mooch Scaramucci, said, uh, in fact, over the weekend that the president and I were talking about pardons just the other day. So, yeah, he talks about pardons. Last Thursday night, the Washington Post reported that President Donald Trump has asked his advisors about his power to pardon aides, family members, and even himself in connection with special counsel Robert Mueller's ongoing investigations. If he does so, however, he is playing with fire, writes Ian Milheiser of uh, Think Progress Justice. He goes on to say no one actually knows if if Trump can pardon himself as previous presidents typically avoided criminal activity and those that did break the law did not use their official powers in such a transparently self-serving way. But, writes Ian, there's also a very real danger to Trump if he starts doling out pardons, particularly to his inner circle. Uh, Here to talk about some of those dangers and if uh, the president can actually pardon himself is Ian Milheiser, constitutional law expert, editor of Think Progress Justice. His writings have appeared in The New York Times, L.A. Times, U.S. News, World Report, Slate, Guardian, and everywhere else. He's also the author of the book Injustices, the Supreme Court's History of Comforting the Comfortable and Afflicting the Afflicted. Ian Milheiser, sir, welcome back to the broadcast. It's good to be back. Thanks so much. Good to have you here, uh, even amidst these uh, continually uh, decaying circumstances, uh, I'm afraid. You know, before I get, I got a lot of questions for you on the, the pardon power and, uh, and more. But, you know, before we get to that and the dangers of it, uh, Ian, pretty much since Election Day last year, you have been keeping sort of a running track on Twitter uh, about what is happening on what you describe as Earth 2. <laughs> yeah, the, the 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 alternative reality where Obama picks someone other than James Comey to lead the FBI. That's right. Well, that that, that place I, I I see it as that place in the time space continuum where uh, Trump didn't become the president, uh, and everything is different because of, how how so how are things going right now on Earth too? Do we have any updates on uh, what those of us unlucky enough to be caught on this side of the uh, space time continuum uh, are missing in Earth too these days? Well, you know, I mean, Justice Garland is enjoying a uh, great <laughs> summer vacation right now yes. on Earth, too. Um, yes. You know, unfortunately, Hillary Clinton's um, plan to uh, implement a public option is stalled in the Senate. But, uh-huh. you know, we knew that was going to happen. <laughs> um, and, uh, and yeah, and left Twitter is very, very upset that uh, she hasn't called for uh, she hasn't called for nationalizing all colleges. But besides that, like, you know. Things are great. Hey, that does sound great. I would much rather be in that fight on Earth 2 than this one on Earth 1. Getting back, unfortunately, to Earth uh, 1, let's start with the... With the power of pardon uh, that everyone agrees with here, at least part of it, uh, right. that that is the power to pardon others, if not himself. We'll get to that in a moment. So there is no question, right, that Donald Trump can pardon anybody he likes for really any reason, good or bad, yep. uh, including his staffers, campaign team, family members like uh, son-in-law Jared, his actual son and daughter, Don Jr., and, and Ivanka uh, Ivanka. Correct? There's no question about that, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, Donald Trump could literally tell someone to go murder someone, 
and then after the person goes and commits the murder, pardon them. Um, now, that said, th- th- there are two important limits on the pardon power. One is he can't pardon state crimes. So if Donald Trump asks you to murder someone, like, don't do it in any state's jurisdiction. Um, <laughs> he, he, can, he, can only, he, can only pardon, he can only pardon federal crime. Okay. And the other thing is that he can only provide a pardon for a past act. So he can't say, go murder someone and I'll give you a pre or I'll give you a, a preemptive pardon that mm-hmm. stretches out to when you murder them into the future. Whatever like the the alleged crime is, um, it has to have already occurred for the president to issue a pardon. And so, if he pardons that person for murdering someone at his order, uh, and then that person comes in and lies to investigators in some way or murders someone else again, that would not be covered by that pardon. That, that, that's exactly right, and, and and like and your first point about what happens if they lie to investigators mm-hmm. um, is really important because I mean it gets at not necessarily a limitation on the on the power, but a consequence of the power that you alluded to earlier, mm-hmm. which is that if you are in jeopardy of being prosecuted for a crime, the Fifth Amendment gives you a right against self-incrimination. Mm-hmm. So you can just, you know, if Robert Mueller wants you to come in and talk to him, you can say, no, I am going to exercise my Fifth Amendment right. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're called into court, if you're called in to testify in front of Congress, you can say, no, I'm going to exercise my Fifth Amendment right. Um, and uh, once someone is pardoned, they're no longer in legal jeopardy. You know, once you have a pardon, there's no longer a possibility of you being prosecuted, and so you no longer have a Fifth Amendment right not to testify. So Trump is potentially endangering himself yeah. if he issues pardons, because all these people who can plead the Fifth suddenly won't be able to do so. And then if they do go and they do testify, and in the course of their testi- testimony they commit perjury, they could still be charged with a crime for perjury or, you know, depending on the circumstances, potentially obstruction of justice even though their past acts are all wiped away by the pardon. Because that perjury came after the pardon. That was a new crime after the, after the pardon was issued. I- exactly right. And, so, um, and, you know, and so Mueller, I mean, depending on whether Mueller is still in his position, or, you know, for that matter, the next attorney general after Trump is out of office, mm-hmm. could open up an investigation, and they might not be able to get the people who are pardoned for their underlying crimes, but if they can, but if that person commits perjury or some sort of future crime, they're still on the hook. So there is a sort of protection uh, in some regard if you believe that there is this conspiracy and, and collusion and all of this that involved Donald Trump and Don Jr. and and uh, Jared Kushner and Mike Flynn and all of these people. Right, right. There is a danger. Uh, that the president could pose to himself by issuing pardons to those people because now they can go, uh, they don't have the protection. They have to testify, essentially, uh, if they're asked about what happened by uh, by Mueller or in any court trial or any congressional testimony, etc. Right, yes. Yeah. So there's not... Um you know, like the, the purpose of the pardon power mm-hmm. isn't so that the president can sit at the apex of an ongoing criminal enterprise. You know, you know the person of the par- purpose of the pardon power is supposed to be so that the president can give mercy to deserving people. Um, and it's just incidental that when you have a president who potentially is sitting at the apex of a huge criminal enterprise, that like they can use it to do a lot of mischief. 
Well, that's quaint, uh, yeah. using it just for mercy. The, now the, the pardon power, however, does not apply, as you noted, uh, to any crimes that could be brought by the state. So, that's right. Uh, like the state of uh, New York uh, District Attorney Eric Schneiderman is said to be looking into a lot of these things related to Team Trump. So uh, would, would, would that person be able to claim the fifth uh, claim the fifth amendment in you know in meetings with Mueller because he would be yeah. afraid that it would apply could be used to apply against him in a state case brought by Schneiderman or someone else yeah I mean potentially especially as if the person was te- was testifying mm-hmm. um, if they would still have a fifth amendment right if they believed that um, you know if they if, if, if they were still subject to state to state charges. Um, so, you know, Trump, you know, depending on how he uses the pardon, you know, he only has the ability to wipe away the possibility of federal charges. If the pos- possibility of state charges still loom, you know, the Fifth Amendment is still a thing. Huh. I mean, I'll say one other thing, yeah. which is that I hope that Mueller is keeping a copy of everything that he's got somewhere, whether it's on his home computer or a flash drive or wherever. And he's prepared to give it all to uh, the, to New York Attorney General Snyderman the second that Trump fires him. Mm. Well, how would yeah? That's uh, how would anybody know? I mean, you you write at uh, Think Progress that you know if, if they're still uh, potentially chargeable under state law, how how would someone know that? In other words, if I'm right. if I'm in that case, I go into Mueller and say, hey, you know, I could be charged by a different authority. I'm still exercising my Fifth Amendment right here. Right. Yeah. And I mean, the real answer to that is like there would have to be litigation and, you know, there could potentially be negotiations with the state authorities where like state authorities could potentially give the person what's called use immunity, where they're allowed to give this particular testimony and what they say and that won't be used against them. So, like, you know, there are ways around it, um, but, you know, but the answer is, like, it could get messy. That's the uh, least uh, controversial part of the pardon power, I guess, at least as potentially applied in this case. Many people, including myself, have speculated that the president has the power to even pardon himself. Article 2, Section 2 of the U.S. Constitution says the president, quote, shall have power to grant reprieves and pardons right. for offenses against the United States, except in case in cases of impeachment. So it doesn't say that he cannot pardon himself, and so I guess therefore many people have presumed that he can, and yet you wrote last week at Think Progress Justice, quote, just days before President Richard Nixon resigned his office and left the White House in disgrace, a key office within the Justice Department determined that Nixon could not use his own pardon power right. in order to protect himself from prosecution. So, a lot of questions there. Which office was it? What was the basis for that uh, memo? Were were they right? And and does uh, such a presidential memo have any actual legal standing? Right. I mean, was, I mean so like you know, to take I guess the the top you know the probably was the most important question first. No one knows if the president has the power to self-pardon. Um, and the reason why no one knows is because presidents haven't done it in the past. I mean, most presidents don't commit federal offenses when they're in office. Um, what the Nixon-era memo said, and this was an office called the Office of Legal Counsel, mm-hmm. which exists to provide advice to the executive branch on these sorts of hard legal and constitutional questions, 
What they said is that there's a longstanding principle that no one can stand as a judge in their own case. So, you know, if, if you're charged with a crime and you're a judge, you don't get to be the judge over yourself. And you're essentially uh, judging yourself by granting yourself a pardon. That, that's exactly right. That's the theory. So, like, what the Nixon memo, Nick, well, what the Nixon era memo said is that Nixon could have conceivably invoked the 25th Amendment to temporarily step down, mm-hmm. let his vice president pardon him, and then, you know, then said, I want the power back, which oh, he can Jesus. do under the 25th Amendment. Yeah. Um, and that would have been fine because it would have been someone else judging him. Mm. But. You know, the, the the theory, and again, no one knows if this is right or not, because the Supreme Court's never weighed in on mm-hmm. it, um, but the theory is that you can't be a judge of your own case, and that means a president can't self-pardon. Do findings from the Office of Legal Counsel, uh, such as this one in, uh, in Nixon's case, uh, do they carry over uh, to new administrations, or does each administration have its own Office of Legal Counsel for, for uh, yeah. such decisions? I mean, like, OLC opinions are normally treated as precedential within the executive branch. Mm -hmm. I mean, they they can be overruled, um, they can potentially be ignored, but, like, generally they are treated as fairly authoritative. The problem is that the pardon power rests with the president. It doesn't rest with the Office of Legal Counsel. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if Donald Trump decides that he wants to use it in some novel and potentially illegal way... The fact that some lesser office within the executive branch said 40 years ago that he couldn't Mm. do it doesn't matter. I mean, all that matters is that he's decided to do it, and then it becomes a court case. I mean, then, you know, potentially there's a prosecution, Mm -hmm. and Trump in the prosecution tries to defend himself by saying, no, I was pardoned, I pardoned myself, and... You know, that gets ruled on, and eventually it makes its way up to the Supreme Court. So even these uh, memos, because there's uh, been a number of memos now that have been coming out from uh, from the Nixon days, from the Ken Starr, uh, Bill Clinton days of impeachment that a lot of people are, are looking at, uh, taking a second look at, and some that are just being unearthed now through uh, Freedom of Information Act requests. Those memos from the OLC... They're really just guidance. They don't have any legal standing, unlike, for example, a U.S. Supreme Court uh, opinion would in in any of these cases, right? Right, yeah. I mean, like, you know, most of them were written by smart lawyers, you know, in some cases self-interested lawyers, in some cases lawyers just trying to figure out what the correct answer is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to the extent that they're persuasive, judges might be persuaded by them, but... Yeah, I mean, there's been no there's been no authoritative ruling on the subject. No one really knows if the president can be prosecuted while still in office. No one really knows if they can self pardon. Um, you know, under normal circumstances, there are really good reasons why you don't want a president to be prosecuted because until that president either resigns or is impeached and convicted, mm-hmm. um, they still hold the office. Right. Well, and so you know, it's hard to do that that job from prison. Well, uh, that's true. But uh, if the power, and this brings us up to sort of the next point, presidential indictments. A lot of people have said that a sitting president cannot be indicted. Even that is uh, actually not determined uh, one way or another, either by the U.S. Supreme Court or by it sounds like uh, these. Um, well, if not the Office of Legal Counsel, there seems to be uh, differing opinions from the special prosecutor in right. Watergate as far as whether Nixon could be prosecuted, uh, Ken Starr's uh, own team during the Clinton uh, impeachment investigation. They came up with a, a ruling. So 
It has sort of been one of these long, unchallenged myths that we haven't had to think about really until right. now. But can can a sitting president be indicted? Well, I mean, well, here's what this really comes down to: is that everyone has assumed that the president would be capable of shame. <laughs> I mean, I'm dead serious right, about that. Right. I mean, like, why did Nixon resign? He resigned because he was capable of shame. Right. And, like, you know, everyone assumes that if the president somehow was not capable of shame, then, like, the Congress would be capable of shaming him. You, you, you know, like, yeah. you know, when you go back and you read, you know, James Madison or Alexander Hamilton, like, they did not understand parties. Like, they didn't understand the inevitability of political parties. Mm -hmm. They thought that, I mean, Madison wrote about, like, the mischiefs of faction and how each person's ambitions will check everyone else's ambitions. And so the Constitution was, was sort of written on this assumption that, well, you've got all these ambitious people in Congress, and they kind of want to be powerful, too, and mm -hmm. some of them might want to be president. And so if you've got a rogue president, they'll all band together to... Um, you you know to throw that president out because it's good for their careers, mm -hmm. and you know that was the assumption. Like they did not understand that in 2017 we would have the kind of extraordinary partisanship we have right mm -hmm. now, where you have a president who's incapable of shame, and you have Congress controlled by the president's party, which is unwilling to do anything to undermine its party's president. Mm -hmm. Um, and, yeah, our, 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 our Constitution is not fit for this set of circumstances. I mean, there, there really is not a mechanism. Um, and I don't think that, I, I mean, Mueller could bring, could bring all the charges that, that, that he wants. But, you know, what happens when Trump is potentially tried and even convicted and he's still president? Right. Well, you know, and, he, and he's still commanding the FBI and the military. Uh, it's it's kind of unthinkable, obviously, but here we are at this point thinking about it. I mean, this is one of the things that's always, you know, whenever I hear this, uh, oh, a sitting president cannot be indicted, I, I think, well, really, if, if a president goes out and, and shoots someone, you know, Trump's famous example, he could walk down Fifth Avenue and shoot someone. Are you telling me that a president could not be indicted? Uh, for murder because he just happens to be the president. But then that brings us back, Ian Milheiser, to uh, what you and I have talked about before and the stolen Supreme Court, <laughs> that all of these uh, questions would ultimately have to work, them, work their way up to the Supreme Court where the Republicans have stolen the majority and you've got Donald Trump, uh, you know, installing his own guy, Neil Gorsuch, there. In, in, yeah. in any of these cases where they went all the way to the Supreme Court, Ian, would Neil Gorsuch be required to somehow recuse himself from these proceedings because he was appointed by this president who he would now be deciding upon? Yeah. Oh, no. I mean, he, he would not recuse. And frankly, like, I mean, as terrible as both Donald Trump and Neil Gorsuch are, like, Gorsuch shouldn't have to recuse because the person who appointed him, um, you know, I mean, the only circumstance where, where I, I could see it mattering is if, like, there was something where, like, 
the validity of the election itself was called into question such that it might like retroactively strip Trump of his ability to mm. appoint a justice. Like, I, I mean, mm-hmm. if it was something insane like that, where Gorsuch had a personal stake, he might have to recuse. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's very well established and for, and for good reason that, you know, a justice doesn't ha- or a judge doesn't have to recuse from a case because they were appointed by a president mm-hmm. who, you know, who has an interest in a case, you know, otherwise, everyone that Obama appointed um, to, the, to, to the courts wouldn't be able to hear cases dealing with a lot of his major initiatives. Um, so, you know, so, so Gorsuch yeah. won't have to recuse. I think it's very unfortunate that Gorsuch will hear this case. Um, I mean, realistically, I think there are probably, if, if Trump actually were to try to self-pardon, I suspect that there are as many as six votes on the Supreme Court saying, no, we can't do that. I don't think that they're nine. Yeah, well, and well, it doesn't have to be nine, right? Six would right. would would be enough. That no, he can't do that. I I think right. you might be. Uh, I don't know. You might be overly optimistic there. I, I will. I will say this. Uh, sort of last thought here, Ian. Um, in looking at the memo uh, from, I guess this is from the Nixon era about whether the president could pardon himself. Uh, Assistant Attorney General Mary Lawton wrote at the time in this memo, quote, under the fundamental rule that no one may be a judge in his own case, uh, the president cannot pardon himself. It, there's that word again, that rule where, you know, it's not a law. As far as I know, it's a, uh, it's a rule. It's a norm, all of which have been shattered under this presidency as we see that. You know, if it's not written in the rule of law, if it's not written in the Constitution, if it's just a norm, if it's just a tradition, if it's just a rule, all of that right now seems to be out the window with this particular administration. They'll do what they yeah. want. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't think there's any question that Trump is going to do what he wants. I mean, the, the question is, what will John Roberts and Anthony Kennedy do? Yeah. And I guess we may find out. Uh, Ian Melheiser, uh, always great catching up with you here on all of this. We may have to uh, touch base again soon as this uh, moves forward, I think, faster than people may realize. But I hope I'm wrong, to be honest. In any event, uh, Ian Melheiser, editor of Think Progress Justice, author of Injustices, the Supreme Court's history of comforting the comfortable and afflicting the afflicted. Thanks, Ian. Always great talking to you, my friend. All right. Good chatting with you as well. You can find his work as ever at thinkprogress.org, and you can follow him on the Twitters uh, for the latest updates from Earth 2 at iMilheiser. Okay, quick break, and we're back with a couple more stories here as the American public... Uh, if, if Donald Trump has done nothing, uh, he's helped move the American public to the left. Thank you, Mr. President. We'll take a quick break, and we're back with that story and more on the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't go away. Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. All the things that I used to say, all the words.
cars that got in the way All things that I used to know have gone out the window True, true dad Everything is out the window. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. I want to finish up here with a couple of polls, uh, various polls were out last week, uh, some of them of note that I've been meaning to get to. Uh, One is this, since we've been talking about pardons and impeachment and all of that, if there's anything to pardon anybody for, if there's anything to impeach them for, impeaching President Trump is more popular now than impeaching President Richard Nixon was at the start of the Watergate scandal, according to a Monmouth University poll. That was fast. Yeah. The poll released uh, last week found 41% of Americans support impeachment of Trump. By way of comparison, just 26% supported Nixon's impeachment six months into his second term. So after four years and six months... You had just 26 percent supported impeachment, but now uh, for Richard Nixon, but now for Trump, 41 percent. The poll also found that uh, Trump has 39 percent approval rating. Fifty nine percent said the meeting between top uh, Trump campaign officials, including Donald Trump Jr. and a Russian attorney last year, was inappropriate. Fifty five percent say they believe the purposes of the meeting was to get negative information about Hillary Clinton and 39 percent said Trump's son in law and the White House advisor, Jared Kushner, should be made to resign after that meeting. Wow. Thirty nine percent. Also, uh, this uh, is what I had mentioned before the break here. A new poll suggests the country may be shifting left, at least on the issue of health care with 62% saying it's the federal government's responsibility to make sure that all Americans have health care coverage, while just 37% say that it is not. So 62 to 37, uh, I'm not sure uh, as far as those 37% go, I'm not sure what part of provide for the general welfare, as uh, seen in the U.S. Constitution, that those folks do not understand. I mean, it's right there in the very first article of the U.S. Constitution. So 62 to 37 percent say it is the federal government's responsibility to make sure that all Americans have health care. That's from AP uh, NORC Center for Public Affairs Research poll. And this indicates a huge change in the attitude about that over just the past few months. Just over the past few months, as the GOP has been fighting to uh, kill Obamacare proper and leave tens of millions without coverage. Let me uh, give you just an idea of how this has changed since March. Um, So it's 62 to 37 percent say that now. And uh, it was only 52 to 47 percent just, uh, what, three months ago in March? 52 to 47 percent. So there's been a 20 point swing throughout this debate. The more Republicans and Donald Trump seem to argue to kill Obamacare, the more people agree with, frankly, Bernie Sanders opinion that we uh, that it is the federal government's responsibility to make sure that uh, Americans are covered with health care. Yeah, I guess it finally took the Republicans trying to tear it apart and finally having to talk about what little tools they have available to them that have made people understand, oh, that's what's in Obamacare. 
A Medicare for All plan uh, was, of course, the rallying cry for Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders during his presidential campaign last year. And though the, the poll here in question did not go into specifics, that is also what you heard. Uh, we had Chuck Schumer at the top of the show. He was on the weekend shows. The Democrats are rolling out whatever the hell their plan is going to be for 2018. But he said uh, he said there uh, single payer is on the table. Medicare for all is on the table. Medicare buy in a public option is on the table. So, you know, <laughs> Bernie Sanders made a huge difference last year with his campaign. And I know a lot of people are angry at Bernie Sanders supporters, but he has he has helped to move the country to the left uh, towards I call it the left, but it's not, you know, particularly shocking. I mean, conservative countries all over the world supply health care, make sure at least that their citizens have health care. Uh, so between Bernie Sanders last year, between the Republicans this year, uh, I would say we're moving in the right direction as far as we the people making it clear what it is that we the people would like from our own government. And people finding out that, yes, they do have agency. They can engage. They can affect change with their senators when they see the success of calling right now and holding off this horrible whatever mystery bill the Republicans plan on <laughs> voting on. That helps a lot, I think, having people understand now, hey, I can make a difference. Robert Blendon of the Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health, uh, who tracks opinion trends on health care, says there is a significant increase in people who support universal coverage. The impact of the debate over dropping coverage looks like it has moved more people to feel that the government is responsible for making sure that people have coverage. So there you go. Some good news that we can uh, pull out of this uh, these horrible days of fighting and trying to fend off the Republicans from taking away what what from, isn't nailed down. Frankly, yeah, what isn't nailed down and, and what is in many cases insufficient coverage that costs too much for too many people. So there's that. See, something to leave you uh, feeling good about for today. We'll see what tomorrow brings. Uh, you can also, uh, yeah, call your senator if you like uh, to give them your opinion as they will be voting on all of this this week in some fashion or another. That phone number is 202-224-3121. Both of your senators. Give them your thoughts on all of this, Democrats or Republicans alike. Okay, I got to get out. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, to my guest today, Ian Milheiser from Think Progress Justice, and to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us, wherever you are, wherever you're listening, across the world, across the country, where I know much of the country is sweltering, so hopefully you're inside in some very nice, cool air conditioning somewhere. Uh, you can drop me email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am simply the Brad Blog. And my thanks as ever to those of you who stop by bradblog.com slash donate to help us continue to do what we try to do every day right here on your public airwaves. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.